0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 19 of 365 days. Or more accurately, 65 days, because it's only been two months. It's only been two months. And what's happened? She's pregnant. She's pregnant, but she's not telling Don Massimo just yet because she's starting to suspect that he's really controlling. I don't know what tipped her off. Maybe it was the tracker implant in her arm or the trackers on the car. But for some reason, she's feeling a bit controlled. And I think she's thinking, wow, do I really want to raise a kid with this guy? Even though she's getting married to him in like four days. But where we left off immediately in the last chapter was he's showing her to her new room, which presumably is the room that they will share together. Since, as I said, they'll be married in a couple of days. So she says they go up to a, a room on the top floor and he opens the door and there's a room that took up the entire floor. Quite an interesting layout in this mansion, but okay. So she says it's a really big room. <laughs> and the walls are lined with dark wood. There's a gigantic C-shaped sofa facing a large fireplace and an equally sizable flat screen TV. An equally sizable flat screen. Wow, okay. Oh, and then there's a mezzanine. There's stairs leading to a mezzanine, which is where the bedroom is with an enormous black bed with four columns. And that bedroom led to a closet and a bathroom and then a terrace with a view of the sea. So his bedroom is a full apartment. His bedroom has a bedroom. And he's like, this is your room now. I ordered your things brought in. So he's even got to outsource removalists just to go from one room to the other in his mansion. Can this guy not do anything for himself? Can she not do anything for herself? I bet it's poor Domenico who's lugging the load upstairs, up, up the terrace mezzanine. So then they're on the terrace and Massimo starts making some moves. You know, his lips start trailing down her neck. His hips are pressing against hers. And she's like, yeah, not today, Massimo. And he's like, oh, what's happening, baby girl? Because this is the first time she's ever said no to one of his advances. And she's like, I'm not feeling too good. I think it's still from what I had at the party on Saturday. And she says, I knew my argument wasn't a strong one. So I changed my strategy. What do you mean it's not a strong one? Yet You had ketamine in your system just a couple of days ago when some guy tried to date rape you. I think it's a perfectly valid argument. Even if you weren't doped up on ketamine, you could be like, yeah, I was assaulted the other day. So I'm just going to take a bit of time um, and not have you enter me right now. But she thinks that's a shit argument. So then she says, I'd rather just snuggle up and watch some TV and go to sleep. Besides, we're going to get married in a couple of days. Let's at least keep the pretense of propriety and hold back until then. So she's saying that, oh, we're going to get married in a couple of days. Let's do the whole uh, no sex before marriage thing. It's like, babe, you've you you you've done everything. You've done a pole dance routine in front of him and you're worried about propriety? I can't even remember how many times you've eaten his semen. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I can see something's wrong. So I'll just wash your back and that'll be enough for me tonight. And she's like, nah, we both know how taking a shower together would end. And she says an hour later, they're lying in bed watching TV. And he's saying, you know, you have to learn Italian at some point. He says, we'll start lessons on Monday. So that's a nice honeymoon activity for her, having lessons. And she's like, well, you've got to learn Polish too, you know. And he's smirking and he's like, how do you know I'm not already learning it? Ooh, what a, what a charming gentleman learning his lover's language. And then he says, I'm glad Olga will keep you company for the next few days. I think some freedom will do you a world of good. But don't even think you'll lose the bodyguards again. I don't want to have to worry about you. So in the, same, in the same line of speech, she's saying, I think freedom will do you a world of good, but remember, <laughs> you'll be tracked every moment of the way by bodyguards and the implant. I don't know if he has a different concept of what freedom is. And he says, you'll have to cooperate with my men if we want this to work. And she's like, oh, am I in danger? <sighs> well, y- yes, no freaking shit. We already know that his ex-girlfriend wants to murder you. Remember you ran into him at the Venice Film Festival slash ballroom dancing competition. And she said, oh, I want to kill your new girlfriend, Massimo. So we, we know that. We also had that other mob wife in Poland saying, I was once kidnapped. It could happen to you too. Even though she's already been kidnapped. And Massimo was in like a shootout not that long ago. He faked his death. Of course you're in danger. And really, you're more in danger of having a heart episode with your heart condition that's still unclear. And he says, baby girl, your life was in danger from the very first moment you arrived. Well, that's incorrect. Her life was in danger the moment you kidnapped her. (laughs) You're you're the one that did this, Masumo. You brought this upon her. And then on instinct, she's putting her hand on her belly under the sheets. (laughs) For someone trying to hide a pregnancy, she is really not hiding her pregnancy. Unless Masumo just thinks she's got cramps or something. She might've had a big lunch at that restaurant with too much tomato juice. And because she remembers that her unborn child needs safety, she says, I'll do whatever you ask. And he's like, huh? What's with the sudden obedience, Laura? And she's like, oh, I know I should tell him about the pregnancy, but I don't really want to just yet. So she says, you're right. I just get it now. I'm a clever girl. And then she kisses him and slides back into his arms and they fall asleep. And I'm thinking, oh, what a cute little romantic little scene and then the next morning she's woken up by the gentle prodding of his erect phallus pressing itself against her buttocks (laughs) gosh it always takes a turn doesn't it and then she looks at him and she discovers that he's still asleep so he's got a bit of a morning wood situation and so she starts stroking it and so he had a a lovely wake-up call and then he's starting to rub her lace panties she's always wearing lace Then he's saying harder and she's going harder and his phallus is growing harder. And did I read incorrectly when she said, let's not do anything before the wedding? Because this certainly seems like she's giving him a hand job just eight hours after that conversation. And then he says, get on top of me. And she says, nah, I want to pleasure you this way. And he says, but I want to be inside you. And conversation over, he just... Roughly shoves his cock inside of her, and she says he fucked me hard and violent, until he remembered that he couldn't finish inside me. We had no condoms, which which we know are not necessary, but he doesn't know that just yet. Um, this is still assault, but then he says, "Finish me off with your mouth," and so she, so she does that. Oh, and oh, and then she feels a wave of. Oh, I don't even want to say that out loud. Anyway, so that that's finished. Fill in the blanks. And he says, you can wake me up like that every morning. Oh God, no. Oh God. Oh God. If I didn't, oh no. If this next line wasn't important for like the movement of the scene, I wouldn't say it, but it's, oh God, it's It's important to the plot. So I'm just gonna say it. (sighs) I tried swallowing his load, but felt myself gagging. And then she jumps out of bed, runs to the bathroom and she throws up in the toilet. And then she says, I was suddenly becoming acutely aware that I was pregnant. <sighs> and then she's thinking, Jesus, this is bad. If each blowjob was going to end up in throwing up, I wouldn't be able to do it at all. So, so, she's, so she's really worried about not being able to give blowjobs for the next nine months. Hoo boy. And Massimo's like, oh, that pizza last evening must have been bad. And she says, yeah, plus drugs can change the taste and smell of semen. So think of that the next time you're in the mood to snort some Coke. And then she goes to go watch some TV. We just leave the, the Coke changing the taste of semen theory. We just leave that. We don't need to go into that. And he says, I want a physician to take a look at you. And her heart skipped a beat because she's worried that the doctor would figure out that she's pregnant. But then she says, Calm down, even a witch doctor wouldn't be able to discover I was pregnant only from taking my pulse, or so I hoped. I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of assumption that a doctor's just gonna take your pulse. And then eventually she's like, you know what, it's just a bit of indigestion. That's not enough of a reason to get checked out by a physician. She's like, I'll just diagnose myself and come up with my own treatment. Some digestives, black tea, stale bread. <laughs> and then she says, want me to prescribe you something for that anxiety too? She's, when she's got her back up, she gets a bit snippy, doesn't she? And then to distract him, she grabs his belt and pulls him forward. And she says, maybe you're not satisfied with that morning blow job. And he's like, yeah, I've actually got a flight to catch. So much for the no sex before marriage. <sighs> and he says, get ready for our wedding night. We'll have a lot to make up for baby girl. And then as he's leaving, he says, remember, you promised me you won't run away anymore. I have an app on my phone that allows me to see where you are. her Oh boy. I installed the same app on your phone. Domenico will show you how to use it. If you don't like the Porsche, the drivers will take you everywhere, but please don't take off. I've got some surprises planned for you so you don't grow bored. Have a look around. I hid them in spots where we had our first times together. See you Saturday." And that must've like touched her or something because then she feels her eyes watering and she's running out of bed, chasing him down. And then she's hugging him, clinging to him like a koala bear on a tree branch. Well, well, that's just factually incorrect. Koalas aren't bears. He could have just said koala. And then she says, I love you, Massimo. And he's purring with delight. And then they're kissing. <sighs> he just said, I've got an app on my phone that lets me track you. Is that not concerning to anybody else? I'm concerned by that. And then he leaves and he says, I'll be back. Like he's the Terminator. And she's there praying that he returns safely. And then she's sitting on a lounge chair, staring out at the sea. And then she feels a soft blanket sliding down her shoulders. And that's Domenico putting a blanket on her. She can never hear when anyone's walking up to her. She can never sense when someone's right behind her. She doesn't notice he's there till she feels the blanket on her. I'm starting to see why she was so easily kidnapped. She does not have a good fight or flight response. She's not got good spatial awareness. She's in her own bloody world. And Domenico says, oh, I brought you tea with milk and a few pills for your anemia. Remember, because she told him that she's anemic, which she isn't, she's pregnant. But then he says, I've got folic acid, zinc, iron, and all the rest you need in the first trimester. And she's like, you know I'm pregnant? And yeah, if he knows that she's pregnant, why is he going on with the anemia ruse? And Domenico, the young man, the young Italian, he's nodding and smiling and he's saying, don't worry, I'm the only one that knows. I won't tell anyone this is between you and Massimo. And she says, but you didn't tell Massimo? And he's like, nah, these are things even family has no right to meddle in. You have to tell him yourself. And she sighs with relief and she took a sip of the tea. She hasn't said thank you, by the way, for the tea and the blanket. Then she says, I'm praying it's a girl, she says with a melancholy smile. A melancholy smile. And Domenico's like, bitch, it's 2021. Like a girl can become the head of the family too, you know. And she punches him on the shoulder and she says, don't say that, it's not even funny. And Domenico's like, have you thought about a name yet? And she's like, bitch, I've known for a day. And she's like, no, it hasn't really crossed my mind. I need to go see the doctor to help me understand the process. I'll think of the details later. To help me understand the process? Wh- what do you mean the process? you're pregnant, it's gonna come right out of you in like eight, eight and a half months. And Domenico says, yeah, I've booked you in for tomorrow. Let's go have some breakfast. Me knowing your little secret means I've got to take a bit more interest in your diet. How does he know exactly? Did did the doctor tell him? Because if so, I wouldn't be wanting to go back to that doctor. It's kind of a breach of confidentiality. And then she notices there's a large box on the middle of the bed. And he says, oh, it's a gift from Don Massimo. And he says, I'll be waiting in the garden. So he just leaves. So she opens the box. There's two smaller packages inside of it with the Gavinci logo. And she took them out and opened them and both held the beautiful boots that Carlo's wife had on when they met at the restaurant in Warsaw. She says, I was in love with those shoes, but nobody in their right mind would have paid what they cost. And so she's jumping up and down, squealing with joy. And she says, both pairs were the same, only differing in color. Damn, he bought both pairs. When I saw that there were two smaller packages with boots in them, I thought like one package had the left boot and the other package had the right boot. And I was thinking that's a weird way to wrap things. It reminds me of how like my great grandma, she used to give people money for their birthdays and for Christmas, but she would wrap up like 50 cent coins individually. (laughs) What a hoot. (laughs) What a hoot that was. So that's what I thought he was doing with the boots, but no, he bought both pairs because they had different colors. That's when you know you've got too much money. You know, there's people starving out there, Massimo. And she's super excited about the boots. And then she's looking at all her clothes in the closet. And then she's thinking, oh, I'm gonna get too big to wear any of these fabulous gowns. And she's like, oh, I'll miss the New Year's Eve binge and all the parties with Olga. And then she's like, oh, how am I gonna explain this to my parents? And then she's thinking, I need to go see my mum before my pregnancy showed. Then I'd be able to get away with not visiting her for a while if I tell her that I'm busy with work is anybody thinking that's a good plan to like hide your pregnancy from your mum? And then she's like, oh, wait a minute. Then the child will be born. And then sooner or later, I'll have to explain that I've got a kid. It's like, yeah. How did that not factor into your deliberations just now? Just tell your mum your boss knocked you up. She'd be all for it as soon as she sees the boots. So then she gets dressed and she picks the boots that she'd just gotten, unclear of what colour, She never actually told us what color the boots are. She said, there's two different pairs of boots of differing color, but she didn't tell us what color they are. And she didn't tell us what color she chose just now, but she's wearing the boots with white shorts and a flowy gray shirt with long rolled up sleeves. And then she's applying some makeup and brushing her hair, putting it in a perfect bob, (laughs) putting her perfect bob in order. I love how she's still putting on makeup, even though we know that she's got tattooed makeup on her face, even though she's only mentioned that the once. I think maybe has forgotten that she's got tattooed makeup. And then she pairs it with an off-white Prada handbag and gold aviators. Gold aviators. And then she's like, oh, my outfit had cost as much as my first car. And she says, not counting the ridiculously expensive watch. Including that, the total price would probably reach that of a whole apartment. She's like, I felt attractive and very, very chic. Yeah, nothing says chic like boots with white booty shorts and a flowy gray top and gold aviators i'm not reading chic from that hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you Then Domenico's force feeding her some food and she's like, Domenico, for fuck's sake, I'm not starving, you know. I don't wanna eat anymore. And he's like, "Um, maybe at least take an apple for the road. And she says, Jesus, take it yourself and quit overfeeding me, you psycho. This bitch is so ungrateful. She's in a mansion getting a free buffet breakfast and she's just so angry that the young Italian is wanting her to eat because she's eating for two now. So then she gets a driver to take her to the airport and then she sees Olga coming out of the airport. Uh, This chapter needed Olga. Just all this time with Laura on her own or with Domenico and with Massimo, she was really annoying me. So I'm glad that my favorite character has returned. And Olga, straight away, she's like, oh, I'm not gonna go say hi. I'm not gonna say, how are you? She says, are those the Gavinci boots I can't afford? (laughs) And then Laura's like, yeah, hi, good to see you too. And then the driver takes her bags and she's like, ooh, a private driver? She's like, hmm, I'm curious about the rest. And she's like, yeah, bodyguards, servants, constant surveillance, transmitters, wiretaps, gangsters, wherever you look, welcome to Sicily. (laughs) She's acting like that's the completely normal Sicilian experience. I don't know if it is. Maybe there's gangsters everywhere, but I also think you probably could go to Sicily and not see any of those things. Especially the transmitters and the wiretaps. And Olga's like, wow, you're being refreshingly honest. And she says, I wanted to sell you some lie, but that wouldn't work. Not with you. I'm getting married on Saturday and I want you to be my maid of honor. Meanwhile, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. If my best friend was like, hey, I'm getting married on the weekend. I'd be like, bitch, what? Since when? And I'd say, no, rethink this because you're going into it too fast. And I haven't had time to to lose any weight, to to be looking fit for the bridal party photos. That's the thing. I wouldn't want to be sprung on to be in a bridal party because I'd be like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to shred. I need to fake tan. I need to get my hair cut. All of those things. And she's just springing it on Olga. And Olga says, are you fucking out of your mind? <laughs> this is why we need Olga. She's just the greatest character because she says what we're all thinking half the time. Half the time, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. (laughs) And she says, I can understand falling for that gangster guy and wanting to take a shot at being with him, especially since he's offering you a life straight out of a fairy tale, has a knee length dick and looks like a God, but marrying him (laughs) after two months, I'm supposed to be the one who believes in divorce, not you, I'm not too sure about that, next line. I sort of lost concentration after she said, knee length dick, to be honest. And she's like, oh, did he make you do this? I'll fucking rip him apart. He can't keep making you do things. You left the country and he turned you into some kind of doll straight out of Vogue. And now this, and then she's like, I'm pregnant. (laughs) And Laura's like, I found out yesterday. That's why I wanted you to come here. Massimo doesn't know about it yet. And she's like, fuck, I need a smoke, pull over. (laughs) So they make the driver pull over. Olga jumps out and she lights a cigarette. And she says, You're living in a gilded cage, but it's still a cage. And now this. Wow, so much insight. She can go from fairy tale, knee length dick and looks like a god in one breath, and then gilded cage in the next. I was like, Okay, Maya Angelou. Olga Angelou up in here. And she's like, Well, what am I meant to do, huh? It's already happened. I can't get rid of the baby. Meanwhile, is the driver just sitting there this whole time, being like, Oh. Oop did. Um <laughs> I think I think the driver's gonna tell his boss that she's hiding a pregnancy from from him. Discretion is not her strong suit. And Laura's like, yeah I fucked up, yeah I was stupid and I wasn't careful, but I don't have a fucking time machine, so unless you have one, shut the fuck up and start being supportive. Fuck <laughs> I love that they swear so much. I don't have a fucking time machine. What would she have done differently? Exactly. Because as much as she's saying she's she wasn't careful and she fucked up, I don't know what she could have done differently. Massimo told her that she had a contraceptive implant and he lied to her. And Olga's like, all right, well, let me hug you. I love you and the kid. At least it's going to be good looking. With parents like you, it has no other option. So there's, there's your silver lining. He knocked her up because he lied to her about contraception, but at least the kid's gonna look good. By the way, if she has a son, who turns out to be attractive, as soon as he turns like 15, wouldn't let him near Olga. I would not let him near Olga, no ma'am. So then they get close to the mansion and she's like, look, Olga, let's just have some fun and not think about it. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, but you didn't exactly prepare me for the news. But then the car pulls up to the house and she sees the mansion and she goes, holy mother of fuck, this is like dynasty. (laughs) You live here on your own or do you run a hotel? (laughs) And Laura's laughing. She's like, oh, I was glad Olga's good humour was back. And then the young Italian opens the door and Olga's like, oh, hello. And she says, oh, they immediately liked each other. That had been pretty likely. Olga loved fashion and charming, handsome men. (laughs) Okay. And then Olga whispers to her, he's gay. Good thing he can't understand us. Which is so rude. I mean, yes, we all think he's gay. But you don't meet someone and then do like a dramatic stage whisper being like, hey, he's gay. Especially when you don't know if he speaks English or not. Or maybe she said it in Polish. But also how, how different is the word gay in different languages? It's rude is what it is. And they haven't even had a conversation. You just open the door for him. Or I assume he said hello. And because he looks nice and he's clean, she thinks that he's gay. And then she's walking past the door to her old room and she's like, wait a second. I remember Massimo said something about surprises. So she goes in, she finds an envelope on the bed and inside there's a voucher for a luxury spa and a note saying, whatever you like. And she hugs the note to her chest, already missing the man in black. She's like, yeah, Olga had some points. I am in a gilded cage, but oh, he's given me a spa voucher. And she's like, he could surprise me even when he wasn't around. So she takes out her phone and she calls him. And she says, I can't stop thinking about you. And he's like, me too, baby girl. Has something happened? And she's like, no, nah, I just found the envelope. Wanted to say thanks. And he's like, oh, you've only found one of them. And she's like, there's more? And so then she hangs up and she goes to search for the other surprises. And she's like, oh, I need to retrace the steps of our recent past. So she's like, ah, to the library. And then there's an envelope on the seat of the armchair where she had sat that first night. Is there an envelope at the driveway where he shot that guy? And then she finds a credit card with a note that says, spend it all. Oof, I would enjoy that. I tell you what, that's one gilded cage I'd sign up for. Then she went to the garden where she first kissed him and there's another envelope on the canopied beach sofa. And inside there's an invitation to their wedding with the few words she wanted to hear. I love you. I'd rather hear spend it all or whatever you want with a voucher attached to it than I love you, but that's just to each their own and she's pressing that envelope to her chest. She's always hugging these envelopes. So then she goes to catch up with Domenico and Olga and Olga's smashing back the champagnes. It's the Maui Rose. She points to a huge vase filled with ice and several bottles of her favorite drinks sticking out. Several bottles. And Domenico's like, mm, and any he hands her a glass of tomato juice instead. And he says, I ordered some non-alcoholic sparkling wines from France, but they won't arrive till tomorrow. She goes, that's okay. I can do without alcohol for a few months. Well, it's, it's more like seven or eight months. Also, she's got ketamine in her system. <laughs> I, think, I think a little glass of Moe Rose wouldn't kill the baby. And that's exactly what Olga says. She's like, you know what? Massimo doesn't know about the kid. You should probably pretend everything's normal and just drink. A bit of champagne flavored sparkling water won't kill you like, well, Massimo's not around right now, Olga. She doesn't have to pretend and and start drinking alcohol at this point in time. Then she asks Massimo to make them lunch reservations. She can't do anything for herself. I mean, there's apps on your phone that you can make bookings with, but she just wants Domenico to do it. She's so fucking lazy. And Olga's like, hey, why didn't you tell Massimo about the kid? And she says, as long as he doesn't know, I have a choice. She says, I didn't want this child, Olga, but I also know I won't be able to get rid of it. So what's your choice then? She says, oh, I'll tell him after the wedding. (sighs) Because it's a great start to to a marriage to be keeping something and having secrets on your wedding day. And Olga's like, do you think he'll be happy? And she says, oh yeah. She says, you could say that this unplanned pregnancy was his plan. Um, yes. He lied about you having a contraceptive in your arm. I, I I do think that he was planning to knock you up pretty quickly. And then Laura's telling Olga about the whole implant gate. And she's like, yeah, I think I got pregnant when we made love for that first time because that was all during my fertile days. And that test had shown nothing. I, I don't understand the pregnancy timeline, to be honest. And then Olga says, I don't wanna sound like some crazy fortune teller, but you know these things don't happen very often. So maybe it's fate. Maybe it just had to happen. You used to tell me everything in life happens for a reason. What, what do you mean? It's fate. These things don't happen all the time. People get pregnant all the time. All the bloody time, especially when you're not using condoms or having a pill or a bar or an implant or pulling out. Like all of those things contribute to getting pregnant. Who would have thunk? So then they go to have lunch. They just reminisce all day and talk about shit. And then they go home and she says, Olga, come sleep with me tonight. And then she's dumbfounded as soon as they enter her apartment. And Olga says, holy shit. (laughs) She says, holy shit. But there's a dash in between the O and the L. So I assume it's holy shit. (laughs) She says, how much money does he have, Laura? And she says, I don't have any idea, but probably a fuckload. And I kept waiting for like what, what the revelation was. I was like, oh, is it filled with flowers or something, the Martin special. But no, she's just saying, holy shit, to the apartment. Like Olga's shocked that he's got this big apartment. But it's like, it's it's all part of the mansion. You saw the mansion. Why would you be having this reaction? A holy shit reaction, when, when you already know you're in a mansion and then you see a nice room in the mansion and you're like, holy shit, what? And Laura says, you get used to the luxury real fast. I've never asked him for anything though. I don't have to. He gets me everything I need. Yeah, he also gets you pregnant. And she says, check out the clothes. You could buy a couple of apartments in Warsaw if you sold those things. So then she describes the closet. It's huge. She's even got like a rolling ladder affixed to the shelves so she can get all of the different pairs of shoes up the top like it's a library in Beauty and the Beast. A rolling ladder. And then hanging up in the closet is a gigantic crystal chandelier. It's all very excessive and Olga says, fuck me. I don't know what to say, but I can't say I feel sorry for you. And Laura's like, yeah, me too. I just think I don't deserve all of this. And Olga's like, what are you talking about? Laura, you're with a millionaire. You love him and he loves you. You give him all that he wants and now you're going to have his child. And she says, if he wants to buy you all that stuff, what's the problem? You gotta change your attitude. For him, spending 10 grand is like buying bubble gum. Don't try to compare your finances to his. It's a whole different world. Okay, what happened to the Gilded Cage? What happened to my Olga Angelou that I was really admiring? Because now she's seen the the rampant consumerism and all of the brand name shoes and the watches and now she's on board. God damn it, no one's gonna talk sense into this Laura girl. And Laura thinks, you know what? That actually sounds pretty logical. I'm not going to start worrying about him spending all this money on me. And I don't think anyone reading this book was like, oh, he shouldn't be spending so much money on you. I think everyone was thinking, oh, he shouldn't have kidnapped you. Oh, he shouldn't have gotten you pregnant without your permission. Oh, he shouldn't have stationed snipers outside of your family's houses just to keep you in his mansion. I think that's the point. And Olga says, if you had as much cash as he has, wouldn't you want to buy him everything? And she nods. And Olga says, so you see, just be grateful for what you get and stop overthinking it. <laughs> Again, I don't think this is the problem here. I think the fact that she's, she's been knocked up by a mob boss, and she doesn't have any personal freedoms. I think that's the problem here. No one cares that he's buying your nice shit. And then Olga says, now let's get to sleep, mama. I'm exhausted. And that's the end of the chapter. So it kind of felt like a bit of a filler chapter especially since we only have two chapters left and we just spent the entirety of this chapter with Olga talking about how nice the boots are and that it's nice to have nice things. And our love interest slash antagonist has left the country again. So who knows when we'll see Massimo again. So I think next week we might finish the book. The two chapters don't seem that long, so I might combine them. Are you guys excited? I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this ends because I have not been able to, well, I mean, I predicted the pregnancy, but I've not been able to guess where the story was going because, well, frankly, there's not much plot to it at all, really. And it's bonkers. Like, if you had said to me that she's gonna run into another ex at a at a cousin's wedding in Poland and then he'd die, and then a chapter later, you'd never mention him ever again, I would have been incredulous. I would have said, no, that's not gonna happen. No sane writer would ever plot something like that. And yeah, no sane writer would, but Blanca would. Blanca Wood. So I'll see you guys next week. As I said before, we're wrapping the shit up with this 365 days slash 65 days. So let me know if there's anything you wanna hear next season. I'm thinking 50 Shades. I'm thinking 50 Shades. If you hate that idea, let me know. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to BreakingDownPod at gmail.com or on Twitter at PodBreakingDown and Instagram at BreakingDownBadBooks. You can visit www.BreakingDownBadBooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading.
1: Hold up.